the passage uh, that was just read from uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, says that the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. Um, it, wasn't written, it, it wasn't written for them primarily. It was, it was written for us. Uh, and those to whom these events happened, the, the reason that, uh, well, you know, they knew it, because it happened to them, but it was written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. There's so many great Old Testament stories. In fact, I think we have maybe done ourselves a little bit of a disservice when we kind of dismiss some of those old stories that you heard when you were a child growing up, David and Goliath, Jonah and and the whale or the great fish and all those those stories that we've we've relegated those to oh those are for the kids not really those stories are wonderful stories for adults contain great and practical lessons for us living today but tonight I want us to look at a story taken from 1 Samuel chapter 14 if you have your bible go ahead and open it to that passage maybe this story is unfamiliar to you or you're unfamiliar to it but I think there are some lessons that I want to just kind of pick out of it that um, might challenge us as we try to live for Christ during this Christian age. Let me give you just a little bit of the background to this passage. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, things are not going so hot in Israel. Uh, for some time now, Saul has been a king. If you back up one chapter in chapter 13, Saul has... Offered worship in an unauthorized fashion. He took it upon himself to function as a priest and make a sacrifice to God and uh, shouldn't have done that. Had no business doing that. And so God is displeased with him. And in just a little bit, and if you move over a couple chapters later, uh, chapter 15, he spares King Agag and the Amalekites. So uh, instead of utterly destroying them. So Saul's not living the way he should live and is not leading the way he should live at this or lead at this time. And the Philistines occupy a great deal of Israel. They became, you know, Israel had a number of enemies throughout the years, but the Philistines were one of those nagging enemies that uh, they were kind of arch rivals, so to speak. And so this, they were doing battle and they had invaded the territory of Israel, but most of the men in Israel were in hiding. Uh, they, they weren't up to the task of fighting off and driving out the Philistine forces. In fact, those that had joined Saul and, and had come to be with him and to fight alongside of him, the text tells us in chapter 13 and verse 22 that many of them didn't even have weapons. I mean, they're saying, here I am, but what do I use? Well, I don't know, pick up a club or a stick or something. They didn't have the armament that they needed to be really effective. And so this is not a good time for Israel. Uh, they have an enemy. That enemy is encroaching in their territory, and they don't have the resources, the manpower to thwart them. But it's in the midst of this kind of a setting you know, imagine here we are, you know, I don't, I don't know who our next great enemy is going to be. I I'm not a prophet of that sort, and, and what we might think may not be the case. But if we ever had an enemy and our, 
our forces are diminished, our resources are diminished, and they're powerful and they have the weaponry and we don't. They have the army and we don't. It's bad time, scary times. And that's the situation here in Israel. But in the midst of this time when everything looked bleak, you have this statement by Jonathan in chapter 14 and verse 6. Listen to what Jonathan said. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. That is a tremendous statement in my judgment. It's a statement of faith, of trust in God. Can God save with a many, uh, with uh, you know, a great army? Yeah, he can. Can he save with a few? Well, you know, he can do that too. And he demonstrated it through Gideon and others in, in the Old Testament. But that statement is, I think, a pretty powerful statement. And it moved him to act. And so we come up with Jonathan says, all right, if God, and he gives God the credit for a victory, if there is a victory, he says, you know, nothing can restrain him. And if he wants to use a bunch, he can use a bunch. But if he wants to just use me, he can, he can use me and we can be victorious. And so he asked his armor bearer, and here's what he, he does, and this is his scheme. He says to his armor bearer, I want you to go with me, if you're willing. And we're going to go over to the Philistines where they see us. And um, if they say, oh, wait, stay right there. We'll be right out to meet you. Then we'll stand. But if they say, come on up then God is for us in this venture. And we use that as a sign that God is going to be with us and we'll go up and we'll defeat those Philistines. And so Saul and this armor bearer go through this this place and, and you know, it, it's like here's Israel over here and here's the Philistines over here. And there's this difficult... It's not just a, a plain where you can cross right over. It's not like walking across the parking lot. It's a place, well, the, the text describes it as, um, well, look at verse 4. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name, was, and the name of one was Bozes and the name of the other, Sina. And both of those words, well, if you look them up, one has reference to a thorny place and, and, a, and a rocky place. And so there, this is not the easiest thing to navigate. In fact, when they say to Jonathan, come on up, it says they had to get down on their hands and knees and, and climb and crawl to get over to the Philistines. There wasn't anything easy about getting to them. But when they saw Jonathan, as per his plan... They didn't say, stay right there. We're going to come over and have a little talk with you guys. They said, come on up here. We got something we want to show you. Now, can you not hear the sarcasm in that? Uh, they're, at, they're, they're at odds. These are enemies. And, 
And here's two Israelites standing up, being seen by the enemy. And the enemy says, hey, why don't you two guys come over here? We want to show you something. Well, I know what they wanted to show them, the edge of their sword. And Jonathan said, be right there. And so they, he and his armor bearer, they get up and they climb and crawl and they get over there to the Philistines and God is with them. And in the space of about a half an acre, Jonathan kills 20 men. Well, he falls them. Uh, He wounds them to the point where they're down. And then his armor bearer was coming along behind him and, and finishing all these guys off as Saul puts them to the ground. And in the process of this victory, you know, when you look around and one man or two men have just killed 20 That set fear in the hearts of the Philistines. And then God caused an earthquake. There's an earthquake that happens. And now the Philistines are really scared. And all this tumult and and they're they're fleeing and and being afraid gave strength and and, um, courage to the Israelites. And the Israelites set out after them. And Israel wins a victory that day. That's basically the story. But here's where I want to make some application. What? Are there some things that I can look at that story and say, that's an interesting story. It's, you know, an interesting narrative from the Old Testament. This is what happened. This is, this is how God worked through Jonathan. But what can I learn from that today? Is there anything, is there, are there any lessons that I can learn from this story? And I think there are. And here's one lesson. We need to have an act of faith. If our faith isn't active, it really isn't faith. It's, it's a dead faith. Jonathan made that very um, trustworthy statement. Cannot the Lord save with many as well as with few? The implication is, yeah, he can do that. Well, if he can, why would I not take him up? Why would I not accept the challenge? Why would I not be one who steps up as one of the few to advance the cause of Christ? God can save. God can work through many. God can work when we're as a congregation. He can work with us when we do big things that involve all of us and our collective influence and working for good. He can, he can work through that. But he can work through you. As an individual, do you have the faith to let them? Is your faith a faith that is in action or is your faith inactive? Uh, We need to have it uh, as a faith that allows myself and motivates myself to work on God's behalf. God is able to do great things. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. And we talked about this not too long ago. I think it was maybe in a Bible class, but the whole imagery, if you just back up a little bit from Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 31, if you, you back up a couple verses, he, he says that we are like lamb or sheep that are led to slaughter. And in the very next thing he says is we're more than conquerors. Well, if you ever wanted to or portray the idea that God is the one who gives us victory and that it's not self-earned or self-created. Uh, that's, that's the imagery to do it. Conquering sheep. 
Who ever heard of such a thing? Conquering sheep. Sheep that are led to slaughter are those who are more than conquerors. Sheep don't conquer, not by themselves. It's God who works with them and through them. And so, you know, there's, there's a lesson there. Jonathan saw in his mind his understanding of God. He can, he can just use me. And so I'm going to let him. Will you do the same? There are a lot of things that we can get together and, and, you know, join hands in here in the congregation and work hard together and collectively do some great things. But how much more can be done if you, by yourself, as an individual, with the influence that you have and the people that you know, if you take to heart that God can save through one or a few... Think of what we can do. Don't let your faith be, oh yeah, God can do great things through his church collective. What about God can do great things through you? He did with Jonathan. Two guys, they win a victory over the Philistine nation. Here's the second point I'd like for you to see. And that is uh, a point about discouragement. I know it had to have been tough living in Israel at that time. When you see your nation crumbling about you, when you, when you see the enemy being victorious, when you see your forces, uh, that, that, the, the mindset of the people had to have been, woe is me. You know, man, don't you remember when? Can't you? Boy, it's not the good old days anymore. That didn't get the best of Jonathan. He fought through that. And it can't. We, we can't allow that to get the best of us either. There are times in our life when we have to tough it out. We can't allow ourselves to get discouraged. There's always going to be an enemy. There has always been an enemy. There have always been strongholds of Satan in the world. We live in the world, and it belongs to, to Satan. So it's a fact of life. I'm not going to like things that go on in this society. I I love the United States. I love our culture. But there are certain things that are just going to happen that are just going to go contrary to my my ethics because the United States, the government, the land, the people, doesn't mean that they're Christian. They may adopt and, and hold to a number of Christian principles, but they're not necessarily Christian. And so there are going to be strong abortion. It's a stronghold in our land. We've been called, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, uh, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, to, to fight and to pull down strongholds. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, of darkness in heavenly places. There are things in our society, it's easy to speak out against certain things. Everybody agrees with you. Let's talk about this. And everybody agrees, and so that's, that's easy. But what happens when we talk about things that aren't universally accepted? When the majority is on the other side, then we're talking about strongholds. God has called us not to fight against the things that the whole society is going to rally around us and say, Amen, go, let's go get it. He's called us to fight against strongholds of wickedness where the devil has more than his foot just in the door. 
well-established wrongs that uh, flourish and thrive in society. We need to be called to fight against that. And it's always been, it's always existed. I just can't let it cause me to, what's the use? I mean, it's never going to change. It's always been that way. It'll always be that way. So we quit fighting. We give up. Elijah once had that attitude, and God reminded him that he wasn't alone, that there were still 7,000 who had not bowed their knee to Baal. And so we need that. We have to keep on, even when times are bad. Another lesson that I see from this is that you don't need permission to do right and to do good and to fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Jonathan, and, and I don't you know, know, maybe in a military setting this may be a different issue, but Jonathan just took it upon himself. There's something that needs to be done. My dad's sitting over here doing nothing, and there's the enemy. Somebody needs to do something. And he took it upon himself and went over and, and engaged them in battle, and he won the victory. And Here's the mindset of Christians sometimes. I've, I've heard it expressed in people. Well, wish the elders would do this or that. I wish they'd make the decision to go over here and do this work or that work. Or I wish they'd allow us to do this. You don't have to have the elders to tell you you're allowed to do good. Listen, if if you're 25 years old and you're saying, boy, I wish we had more going on for... Or well, make it happen. Do it. Take the ball and run with it. Nobody's going to say, oh, wait, wait, you, you can't do good. We have to tell you to do good. Remember? Nobody's going to say that. If, if you're 60 years old and say, boy, I feel like the seniors are being neglected. I, I wish we had more activities and more things that we can do to, to, uh, for people our age. I wish the elders would do something about that. You don't have to wait for the elders to do something. If you see a need, step up and fill it. Do whatever it is that needs to be done. Nobody's going to, again, come to you and say, wait, wait, no, no, you can't do good. We didn't give you permission to do good. If you see an opportunity to serve, serve. If you see an opportunity to do good, do good. You don't have to be given permission to do good and to do right. I think of all the things and all the ways that we can reach out to people. Certainly, there are organized programs of the church that are are run and, and conducted under the oversight of the elders. But there are so many things day to day that won't ever get done unless we take the initiative to to run with it and just make it happen. Nobody's against that. Jonathan saw a need... He trusted God, and he said, I can do this, and he did. We need to have that same mindset. Let's, when we see opportunities, let's do good. Let's not wait on getting approval for things that we shouldn't have to get approval for. If you see somebody down here broken down on the side of the road and they have a flat tire, and they need to be carried up here to a service station, 
You don't have to run up to the building and say, hey, Steve, I saw somebody broken down over here. Would you call the elders and see if I'm allowed to pick them up and take them down and get some gas or, you know, whatever it is? That's not the way it works. Do it. If you see good, do it. And then here's the final point that I want to make, and that is serve the Lord in your youth. Well, for that matter, any time of your life. There is never... Serving God is not convenient. Can I just say that and get it out of the way? It's not convenient. It never will be. It doesn't matter where you are in life, what station, how old you are, what your job is. Serving God is not convenient. It calls for self-denial, and it says that I can't do what I want to do because I have to do what God wants me to do. That's going to happen. So, therefore, we have to make up our mind, will we serve God? Am I committed to that? When God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah was but a youth. And he said, well, I can't. I'm but a youth. You got the wrong man, Jeremiah chapter 1. And God said to Jeremiah, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear this. I am but a youth. I've called you. I've empowered you. You go do what I say, and I'll be with you. If we wait until we think, if I'm young, Okay, I've got school, I've got homework, I'm just a kid, I don't have responsibilities yet. So when I get out of high school and and become, you know, or turn 18, I get to be an adult, you can count on me. That'll be the time when I really kick it in, okay? All right, well, you get to 18, and then you say, man, I got college, I got hours, I've got uh, more homework than I ever dreamed of in high school. As soon as I get out of school, I'm going to jump in, both feet, you, you can count on me. So you finish school, and then you say, I just got married. I just got a job. Man, I'm so busy. I'm trying to keep my house. We're trying to build this house. We're trying to fix this place up. We bought it for next to nothing. It's requiring a lot of work. And, and so, you know, between work and my wife and, and my house, I... As soon as we get this house done, you can count on me. You get the house done, and then, well, I have children. You don't understand. Those children, they, they require a lot of attention. And I've got to run them over here. I get done with work, and I have to spend time with my wife. And then now I've got to run my kids over here, and then over here, and then we've got this and this and this. And, and as soon as I get my children raised, you can count on me. You get your children raised. I'm so tired. <laughs> I can't, you can't, I'm worn out. I've been running. You, do you not know? I'm so, my kids just left home. I've run for the last 15, 18 years, and I, I just need to recoup. Let me rest, and as soon as I get rested, you can count on me. Do you see what I'm saying? There's never going to be a time when you say, boy, this is convenient. Everything has just fallen in place. I'm going to serve God. It's always a choice. It's a sacrifice. I'm going to serve him where I am. Jonathan was a young man. He said, I believe that the Lord can win and and gain victory and save through few. I'm going to take him up on that, and I'm going to do it, even though I am a youth. Even though I'm not the king, I'm going to take him at his word and I'm going to do it. I just think that we need more attitudes like that. 
If you're 90 years old, there's a place for you in the kingdom of God. If you're 15 years old, there's a place for you in the kingdom of God. Don't relegate it to someone else because everybody has their excuse. Everybody has the reason why they're too busy or can't now. Everybody does. So if anything's ever going to get done, it has to be done by people who just say, I commit myself to this task. Let's be like that. Let's learn from Jonathan. Jonathan was, well, he was a soldier. And he saw an opportunity to serve. And he jumped on it. He knew that God could save by many, but he could also save by few. And so he said, I'm going to test them. I'm going to put my faith in action. I'm going to go up against these guys. And I'm going to trust God to give me the victory. And God took care of them. Gave him the victory. Israel won a victory that day and emboldened others and encouraged others to, to take up the fight. If we will take God at his word and his promises and be bold and courageous and, and activate our faith like Jonathan did, not only will we be able to do great things, but how many people will you embolden? How many people who are watching you see what you do and have done will then stand up and say, I can do that. I can, I can make a difference too. And so a great victory is won. You know, one of the things that I, I like, there, there's a camp that has been started the last couple of years. It's called Go Camp at uh, Freed. And uh, it's, it's a different kind of a camp. And one of the aspects of this is that they have taken young people from around the country and they come in and they say, here's what I've done. Uh, It's not, here's what our youth group decided to do. It's ideas that were dreamed of and thought of and planned out and executed by young people and the difference that they've made in their churches and in their communities. I don't think we should have to wait for the elders to assign me something to do to find my place in the Lord's kingdom. What if we went home tonight and said, I want to brainstorm. What can we do as a family? What, you know, apart from what the youth group does, apart from what the, the, the college group does, apart from the senior citizens and so forth, what can I do as an individual What can I do as a family? What can we do as a family? And talk about it and think about it and dream about it and pray about it. What are some of the things that you see in your community, in this community, at school or or people, ways to serve God in the name of Jesus that can make a huge impact and can bring glory to God? That's what I'm talking about taking personal responsibility, not waiting just for the church as a whole to act, but to act as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. Put your faith in action, and God will bless you. Put him to the test and see if he will not bless you. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? 
Jesus, again, said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, and you know you should, and you've just been putting it off, and you know, it, it's time to do it. If you need to do that tonight, we'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already, but you've not been as faithful, maybe you haven't trusted God as much as you should, and, and you want to say tonight, you know, that's what I want to do. I, I want to be like Jonathan. I, I want to be stronger. I want to put my faith in action. I want to quit sitting around waiting for the, the masses to move. I, I want to move on my own. I want to get busy in the, wing, in the kingdom of God myself. I want to motivate my children and my, my wife or my husband, my family, to get involved in, and get busy. And I think we've missed opportunities in the past, and I don't, I don't want to miss any more in the future. We'll pray with you to that end. If you'll come as we stand together and sing.